Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week and a huge win on Monday Night Football as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 73. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films, who's going to join us to talk about Carson Wentz in his second act as the Eagles' starting quarterback. Greg and I will rehash everything that we both saw from the tape on Tuesday morning. Next up, we've got Scouting Report, where I want to talk about a player that the Steelers lean on heavily on defense and talk about how he's been pretty up and down so far through two games. I think he's going to have a pretty big impact one way or another in this game on Sunday afternoon. Lastly, we will wrap it up with two technique, where this week I caught up with Eagles tight end Trey Burton to break down the correct way to run a stick route out of the slot. We've got a ton to get into, as always, so let's not waste any time. Greg and I talk about Carson Wentz, this Eagles defense, and a whole lot more. So let's get to that interview now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. want to welcome in, as we do each and every week here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. And Greg, it is week three already. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Well, I'm sure that's all uh, you're hearing as you're sitting in your office listening to the radio all day instead of watching <laughs> tape. But uh, obviously, look, very, very exciting time here in Philadelphia. Everyone very excited, and for good reason, oh. uh, for quarterback Carson Wentz and his performance second straight week uh, looking very, very good against the Chicago Bears. You got a chance to go through the tape this morning. We're recording this Tuesday night. Sure. We were here very late Monday night watching the game. What were your thoughts after going back through the tape Tuesday morning on Wentz? Two things really stand out to me, which are obviously positives. And, again, there'll be mistakes coming up, but number one, he's in total command. And, and I thought the way they started the game said so much about the player because they started the game with five straight snaps of no-huddle spread. Now, it wasn't tempo. They weren't trying to play fast, but they put the game in his hands at the line of scrimmage to start the game. And you're also playing against a Vic Fangio defense that historically Vic Fangio is very multiple, very diverse with what he does. And they put the game in Carson Wentz's hand to start. And, you know, after the first two plays, then Vic decided to bring on play three and four, two um, slot blitzes, and Wentz immediately knew what he had, got rid of the football. But just the command with which he plays at at this point in his career, it really stands out. You know, and it's interesting, those first five plays, you know, you start out and empty. And I, I mentioned this, depending on when you're listening to this, you might be able to check this out now uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and on the Eagles mobile app, the Eagle Eye in the Sky video segment. I spent, I looked at a few of those plays from that first drive and a couple of them from the empty, you know, from yeah. the empty set. And one of the big things about playing an empty, and obviously you know this, is it really helps to simplify things for the quarterback in yeah. a lot of ways because it, it re- prevents the defense from disguising. So it's, it's one, it shows that the – the staff has a lot of faith in Carson Wentz, but it also is a good way to keep him comfortable. Nice, quick completion. Get him in the game. Get him in the rhythm. That's a great point because what you want to do with young quarterbacks, really any quarterback, is to get them completions early. And when you go empty, because there's a chance for pressure where they can bring more than you can block because there's only five offensive linemen, yep. is it's quick throws. It's really three-step drop timing with defined reads. 
and you the ball comes out quick. And I think he completed those first five passes. Yeah, and, and it's and again it was you know it was all curl to right. to uh, Nelson Aguilar. It was double slant. Right. It was you know the the uh, the yep. pivot route to DGB. It was the quick hitting routes uh, and over and over. And then what do you see? You get it, you it pays off. It's fourth and two across midfield. And normally you're like, oh, it's opening drive. You're going for a fourth down. He's already completed like seven passes exactly. on this drive. He's exactly. in rhythm. He hits it for a first down. The other thing I was going to point out, the second thing that I think that's stood out both last night and in week one, you don't really see mistakes in terms of decision-making. You haven't really at this point. I mean, there was a play last night you and I talked about, and we watched and went, oh, my God, don't do that. Yeah, great play, where he rolled to his left and kind of threw back across his body, which you don't want to make a habit of in the National Football League. But just in terms of the rhythm of the offense and the structure of the offense, I'd be hard-pressed to say that I felt as if he made a mistake in, in reading. Yeah in reading coverage and understanding where to go with the football. Now, there's going to be inaccurate throws here and there, and, you know, obviously some plays that that don't work out the way you want them to, but I don't think he's really made mistakes. I mean, we're almost at the point through two games where probably the largest issue we're trying to figure out is is checks at the line of scrimmage. Is he making the right checks? And I'm sure there are some wrong checks. Of course. You know, and obviously the uh, the Eagles offensive coaching staff will tell you that, but this has been – Command, poise, awareness—you normally don't see that in a rookie quarterback. No, and it's it's great. All those things, you know, the pocket movement, like all those things, we're seeing slight improvements from week in and week out uh, with Carson Wentz, and it's really great to see. You mentioned, uh, you know, that one throw where, though, you know, what play it actually reminded me of was a great NFL Films clip. Uh, I forget who the opponent was, but it was a a miking with Brian Billick when he was with the Ravens. Right. Ed Reed has that interception return from deep in the end zone. He's like, go down, Ed. No, Ed. No, Ed. As he's taking it out of the end zone, and he breaks it. Right, right. So takes it to the house. And that was almost how I felt watching that Wentz, that one throw rolling to his left, throwing across his body to Aguilar, running to his right. It was an unbelievable throw. You just don't want to do that, Not an ideal situation that you're going to make that throw week in and week out. But, um, no, very, very exciting, obviously. Here's what struck me. And and I only say this because, as you know, Fran, I watch – pretty much every team I study every team I watch as much tape as I possibly can and I think it's a real tribute to this coaching staff to the offensive coaching staff Doug Peterson uh, Frank Reich and John DeFilippo and I'll tell you why and they have by the way if you look at their experience level in the NFL you can understand why because when you draft a quarterback number two now granted they still had Sam Bradford at the time but for for Carson Wentz to be ready to play week one, and he was ready to play now. That, this wasn't a game plan where they said, let's just hand it off and try to hide him or compensate for him, and they certainly didn't do that last night against the Bears. That tells you that he's being coached exceedingly well because he missed, what, three weeks of practice time, give or take? He played a quarter of one preseason game. 37 snaps, 30 was snaps, it? or something like that, yeah. And, you know, then he's starting week one, and he's clearly ready to play. Now, that doesn't – hey, we know they're playing a tough team this week. Could he come out and throw two picks? Or Of course he could. The, you know, it's the NFL. Those things happen. But that doesn't take away from the command and the awareness and the understanding with which he's playing. And that, to me, is a real tribute to, you know, the coaching staff. I mean, people might forget. They know Doug Peterson being in Philly, and they know Doug Peterson being an Andy Reid guy. But Doug Peterson played for Don Shula and Mike Holmgren. Those are two pretty heavyweight coaches, and and they, you know, Doug I think has learned what it takes to get quarterbacks ready and how to play in the NFL. 
and we'll see how it plays out. There's a long way to go, but I think it's a real tribute to the coaching staff. A lot of people in you know, nationally, and look, look, he's getting all kinds of buzz right now, obviously for, for obvious reasons. But a lot of people will still point to, oh, well, you know, it's still, it's obviously still very early. Of course, it is, and it's still, uh, we've seen lots of rookies come in and have early success in quotes, uh, you know, quote, quote unquote oh, right. success. How often do you see rookies that come in and show some of the things that Carson has shown from a quarterback skill perspective, the poise, the pocket movement, the the control at the line, and not pan out? Like you know, I I know we've seen guys come in and make throws, you know, and yeah. no question about it, but. From the other other aspects, well, I that. think pan out is a relative term. I mean, I'd be a little uh, uncertain right now to sit here and say he's going to be the best quarterback of in course. football or a top sure. three quarterback, you know. But I'd I'd also be hard pressed to think that he's not going to be a a quality NFL starter, whatever that ultimately means down the road. Maybe he will be great. Uh, but I think when you look at skill set, and I think that's evident to people, there's a skill set there that is pretty darn good. Skill set-wise, he may be top five. Now, that doesn't mean he's top five as we're having this conversation, but skill set-wise. And I think just seeing the poise and the awareness and the command, that to me is, is really speaks volumes uh, because that's what the quarterback – look, you and I have discussed numerous times that – with everything that goes on defensively now in the NFL, for a quarterback, a large part of the game happens before the ball snapped. And they're giving him the opportunity to do that. That tells you a lot right there. For a coaching staff to give him the ability to do that, that tells you that they're confident in him because they don't want bad plays called. And if they didn't feel he could call the right plays, they wouldn't give him the ability to do this. And when you read some of the quotes from some of his teammates – uh, both last night and last week, you get to see really how how his peers feel about him. You know, you hear about Jason Peters and Lane Johnson saying how how much Wentz loves the chess match, and, Jay, and Jordan Matthews talking about his preparation and and how much he really just he loves the game. He loves you know, everything about. It's funny it. you say that. You, you you pick up little snapshots when you watch a game on TV. You know, totally different experience than watching the tape. Yep. And you and I both love the tape, but when you watch it live on TV, you, a couple of snapshots. And I remember last night. I don't know if I said this to you at the time. I think you did. I think I know what you're going to say. Right at the half? Yes. You know, no, most of the time the half ends, yep. players, coaches walk off the field. He's got his little, you know, uh, iPad or whatever they, they call them nowadays. The surface, the surface. Window, Windows Surface right, tablet. Right. I should know that because tablet, I yes. you know, work for the NFL. But And he's looking at it and he's talking to, to Doug. You know, yep. I, I mean, he's he, they're going. he wants to go over something right then. And, you know, that's just a little snapshot that I, I, I think speaks to his view of process. And, you know, not to sound like Nick Saban in process, but it's a valid point. It's, it, it starts with the process. If you don't embrace the process of getting better and doing the necessary work at this level, you can't be a great player. Philadelphia is all too aware of trusting the process and coming to the, the Philadelphia 76ers. That's a whole other right, right, uh, conversation. Right. But uh, as we transition, one of the other things that stood out to me, and I want to transition to the rest of the passing game, is the, the big drop by Jordan Matthews down yeah. the goal line. The play after that, or I should say, the, the drive ends, and you see those two kind of talking out on the sideline, and it was, you know, you'd think, oh, you know, maybe there's some tension. You know, no, those guys were, it was like, just kind of talking it through, hey, we'll get the next one. And he, he went back to Jordan a number of times. You see the confidence for both last week and this week against Chicago that those two kind of have with each other. I think Carson really trusts Matthews in the middle of the field, winning those matchups in man coverage. Well, and again, I, I hate to 
sound cliched, but I think that's all process. I think Carson Wentz is a guy that each play becomes a separate play. And you, you, the, the last one is over, and you know quarterbacks have to have amnesia in the National Football League because you know what? There's bad plays. The defense wins sometimes. Sometimes the defense wins, wins a lot. And you have to have amnesia, and you have to move on to the next play clear-headed. And I think Carson Wentz has shown that ability up to this point. Now, there'll be far more adversity that he's going to face, clearly, you know, because that's the way it works. No doubt. But my sense is that mentally he'll handle that. Yeah, and then transitioning to the defensive side of the ball, Greg, it's, uh, it's really interesting yeah. that you know, the, the sack production hasn't been where I think a lot of fans thought it would be. The, the run defense was up and down the other night against Chicago. But when you look at it at the end of the day, this defensive unit is ranked in the top five in most major categories that you would think to be impactful. It's one of five teams in the league to not allow a drive of five yards or more, or five minutes or more. Five yards would five, be good. Five yards that would be, good. be really good. Uh, I believe. Of course, that, it looked like that the first well, week with the first three series against course, Cleveland. Yes, but <laughs> the, uh, the no, they were the, one of only five teams to not allow a drive of five minutes or more. They have played less plays than any team in the NFL defensively. So uh, have and done a really what? good that job getting off the ball or getting off the field. Th- that's a big thing. I'll tell you what stands out to me the most about the defense. I think they're playing with great discipline. This is not one of those defenses where you're going to see a ton of blitz, although you'll see some depending on the opponent, the situation. But I think that, and this again, this comes back to coaching. They play with really good discipline and a really good understanding of their assignments. And I think, I'll tell you, the two players I wouldn't discount in that area because they're so critical to making sure everything in front of them works are the two safeties, Jenkins and McLeod. And obviously in Philadelphia, people know about Jenkins. He's been here. They're not as aware of McLeod because it's his first year. But I remember telling you when they signed him that that was a great signing because I'd seen every one of McLeod's games with the Rams, and I thought he was one of the most overlooked. That's by the public. You know, the sure, pu- yeah. The, the league knew how good he was, yeah. 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 Uh, overlooked safeties in the league. And I think those two guys – really can help set the tone for the discipline that's needed to prevent big plays. You know what players stood out to me? And you talk about the defensive line. We know Fletcher Cox is dominant. We know Bo Allen was good last night. I thought Bo Allen was good. I thought Benny Logan was good. Brandon Graham was outstanding last night. And even going back to last week. Defense fits him. Yeah. Yeah. He he looks as good as he's ever looked in Philadelphia, I think. Well, obviously, you know, he's been a guy that's been, you know, a little bit of a whipping boy because he came right before Earl Thomas. And Earl Thomas is an all-pro and a great safety. But this style of defense fits Brandon Graham because at his core, you know, I remember watching him at Michigan, as I'm sure you did as well. And I wouldn't say he was Dwight Freeney. He wasn't quite that explosive. But he was that style of player given his size and his height because he's not tall and he's not 290 pounds, but he's a pass rusher. And, you know, again, not to just use cliched phrases, but he's always had a little bit of a knack for rushing the quarterback. Yeah. And this defense clearly fits him. No doubt. And it's it's been really good to see because I, I love Brandon off the field as well. It's good to see uh, him really kind of take his play to the next level uh, this season so far. Linebacking core, I thought it was interesting. You saw some more snaps from Steven Tullock inside. Absolutely. Really interesting rotation there at linebacker. Yep. I think a lot of those – I didn't look at the official snap counts, but uh, interesting to see all those guys really working on pretty heavy rotation. Yeah. And not just – you know, there was nickel and, and Jordan Hicks wasn't on the field. You know, there were times where they really rotated those guys in and out, which was really interesting to and see. And they had Tullock and Bradham playing yeah. meaningful snaps in the nickel. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, if, I, if my memory serves, the interception Bradham had was nickel. Was Bradham and, and, and Tullock. Tullock. That's yeah, correct. So, so it's, uh, it was interesting to see that, that rotation. 
And then in the secondary, we've already talked about the safeties, and I, I love both those guys. It was interesting to see Jalen Mills in his first extended action, and you talk about short memory with Carson Wentz. I thought that one th- sequence that really kind of encapsulated, I think, how the staff feels about Jalen Mills, and then also what we've kind of seen from him so far in camp, there was a screen play on the outside, and he came down and he missed a tackle. And they I remember. Bust, bust I remember. for like a 10-yard play. Yep. The very next play, it was a run to his side. He comes down and he right. makes the tackle as a force player. Right. And, and like that's the, the kind of short memory and the ability to rebound. He thinks he belongs. He knows he belongs right. out in that field. And he's played, you know, in college, he played outside corner, yeah. slot corner, and safety. So he has a lot of experience, yep. not only as a cover man, but as a tackler. They'll get a test this week. This will be a very interesting test. <laughs> yes. And again, I don't know if Leoris McKelvin will be back or not, but if not, Mills will he'll they'll get tested. So let's let's make this transition now. And this this Pittsburgh Steeler offense, uh, I'll be frank, you know, going preparing for Eagles game plan and doing everything last week for the Bears. It was tough from a schematic standpoint. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out how what do I want to talk about? What do I want to focus on? No shortage of topics I could hit on with this Steelers team on both sides of the football. A lot of really interesting topics to hit on. Uh, And obviously you start with the passing game and Antonio Brown, who's just, I mean, he's so dynamic in every way, shape, and form. Uh, just an outstanding route runner, ex- extremely quick, uh, has the ability to take the top off of defense, obviously so great at the catch point as well. Uh, what can you do to keep well, a lid on Antonio Brown? A lot of teams will double him with, with dedicated doubles. Uh, now, you can't do that on every play, no. obviously, uh, but teams do that. But that doesn't mean Big Ben won't throw him the ball. We've yeah. seen that. I mean, I, I've seen that numerous times. The other thing, too, that's really tough is sometimes he'll get doubled and he's not available – within the timing of the play, and then Ben moves a little bit, which he's as good as there is in the league at navigating the pocket, and then uh, Brown will move and he'll be open. There was a play like that. You probably saw it this week when you watched Pittsburgh's – it was early in the game. It was awesome. It was unbelievable. And they got a first down. I think it was third and nine. Yes. It was early in the game. And, um, you know, so he's just a hard cover. But the issue you face is – and Marcus Wheaton will be back this week, by the way. So now they really have four receivers, counting Eli Rogers, who's pretty good, good in the slot. Yeah. yeah, Four receivers, that can be problematic. And Sammy Coates almost always lines up on the side of the formation opposite Brown because he's the vertical threat. So if you're, double, if you're using a safety to be involved in the double on Brown, very often it's difficult to have another safety, you know, unless you're going to play two shell on every snap, which – Teams don't well, want the to, way you know, D'Angelo Williams is running the football. Exactly, that's the other thing. It. That's the other thing to say. I mean, the game against uh, Cincinnati this week—it was in the rain. It was an odd game, but they were committed to the running game, and it's a pretty diverse run game, as you saw. Yep. Out of with Roethlisberger under center, with Roethlisberger in the gun under center, they like to run a lot of power concepts. Uh, in the gun, they they run a lot of zone a concepts, zone, yep. toss sweep. I mean, they do a lot of different kinds of runs. And I tell you, Williams is one of those guys. His lateral quickness, his stop and start ability to get in and out of cuts and in and out of the hole, he's pretty good. This is going to be a big situational football game yep. because you know going and looking and preparing for this game, you look at the numbers. And on both sides of the football, Pittsburgh is extremely strong, both in the red zone, where they're first in the league on both sides of the yeah. football, and on third down. They're third on offense and fourth on defense, or vice versa. And I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's a, been a long night. But uh, really impressive. And, I, you know, sorry, I watched all their third down plays. Striking to me how much more they throw the ball on third down as opposed to run. If I remember right, 33 snaps of third down, 26 passes, 7 runs. 
and they do so many different things, whether it's the rub concepts, all the, a lot of the bunch looks. Uh, obviously, you have Antonio Brown, Eli Rogers. Sometimes good they just line runs. up and, and yeah. with individual routes. That's what I mean. I thought yeah. you yeah. those kind of route runners. Yeah. Uh, guys that are able to get open, and Brown's so good. Like you and mentioned, Brown lines up on, on both sides. So, I mean, if it's Jalen Mills this week, or it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. It's Antonio Brown, and you're going to line up, and, and he's just going to run routes against the corner. I mean, he's, he's, he's tough to cover now. No doubt. So it's going to be – there was another great – I mean, you probably remember this. There was another third down play, I believe. It might have been in the fourth qu- – I think it was on the, the, the touchdown drive to D'Angelo Williams that pretty much put the game away. Okay. It was third down. They, they had Brown double cover and Ben threw an out route. Yeah. Do you remember the play? Yeah. To the left sideline, where they high load him. They right? high load him. Yep. He was double covered. So they had so Cincinnati. Why don't we say he, they high load him? They had an underneath defender taking anything away in theory, and right. away short. Right. And they had a corner. I think it was a two man concept where the corner was actually the high defender, and they had a. Uh, it might have been a safety. It might have been Williams. I can't remember. Right. Who was underneath them? And and he yeah. ran. He ran it. Would look, I think it was a, a post. Uh, an out route. Post corner. It was. Maybe, no, it was yeah, an it was out some, It was some kind of outbreaking yeah, route. Yeah. 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 Uh, down towards the sideline, and it was the first. It was ridiculous. This route, perfect route against and a great coverage. throw. See, Ben will throw that even if Brown is theoretically double covered. Ben's going to throw the ball, no doubt. And lots of multiple tight end looks. Oh, uh, and they do a lot of different things. And they're missing the guy that a lot of people thought would be an impact player for them, uh, Ladarius Green. Right, who they signed from San Diego. But you have Jesse James, the Penn State kid, uh, David Johnson, who's worked in there Grimble. a little bit, and then Xavier pretty Grimble athletic from kid, USC. USC. Yeah, I remember, yeah, last week. yeah, yeah. And so they've got they've got some weapons there. It's a it's a really intriguing offense. Offensive line, I would say, is okay, but they make up for it with yeah. the skill players, absolutely. Well, it'll yeah. be an interesting match if Brandon Graham goes against the left tackle, who's about 6'9". Yeah, uh, he, he uh, could get it. Villanueva, right. Eagles who, fans remember him a couple years ago. Right, right, who's not a great left tackle, but he's, you know, he, he holds his own, and Ben can compensate for a lot of offensive line issues. No doubt. So, defensively, uh, it's it's not the Blitzburg defense so that you all. would imagine. No, no. It, it is a very low percentage blitz team. Selective. Yeah, and when they do, a lot of disguise with yes. it. Yes. And so uh, we've done a couple segments so far tonight that are going to be used on the kickoff show and on Eagles game plan having to do with uh, one of their coverages, cover two trap. You've got to be take, careful take, with that. Take us through uh, Well, that's, it, it's tough to explain without seeing a of visual. Course, but but, it, the, but yeah. the point is is that the outstanding, one of the outside corners, instead of playing what would be considered much more of a conventional cover two or cover three uh, situation, ends up showing something and then immediately turning back inside to take away any quick outbreaking route. And if you're not aware of it, if you're going to throw that quick outbreaking route, which they give you because they're baiting a quarterback, you're in trouble. They've intercepted Flacco. Andy Dalton struggled with it. I mean, they've, they've caused problems for veteran quarterbacks, and you have to be really careful when you think you have a wide-open outbreaking route that is absolutely there and you think it's going to be pitch and catch. There could be a corner sitting right there waiting for that throw. Very high-percentage zone team, as yep. Greg mentioned. It's cover three. You see a lot of cover two looks. But the, really the big thing will be uh, the disguise element, both pre-snap, you, what you're going to see pre is not always what you're going to see post-snap. But then also, like you mentioned, the post-snap, the, you might snap the ball and think, okay, he's the corner's getting ready to turn and run with right. his yep. downfield. He's actually sticking, sticking his foot in the ground and getting ready to turn around and intercept the pass you're throwing to the flat. So it's definitely something that Carson Wentz and this Eagles offensive coaching staff will have to be prepared for. And keep in for. mind, you know, as, as wonderful as Carson Wentz has been, 
this week in, in film study and in on the practice field, it's probably the first time he's really dealing with cover two trap in his life. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a little different animal. Yeah, no doubt. And, and when you look at uh, just the personnel. It's really it's a violent defense. Yep. Guys like Shazier, who's super explosive, uh, Stefan Tuitt, a Cam really Hayward. good player, by the way. Those guys are really good. Yeah. The two DNs there, and you know they're starting in their base three four. The kid from uh, South Carolina State, who knows? Yeah, three rookies playing a yeah. good amount of snaps. Here's what's here's an interesting one for you. They have no rookies on the entire roster on the offensive side of the football. Wow. Zero rookies, only four rookies total on the team, all four on defense, but the first three, and they were their first three picks in the draft. Artie Burns is their time corner, plays yep. outside. Sean Davis is their nickel corner, is a safety, he's listed as a safety, but is their nickel corner. And then Javon Hargraves, they're starting notes. So it's in- they're an interesting defense because, it, you know, you look at that defense, and look, and obviously if they're playing cover three and you want to run routes outside the numbers, they'll match up. But it's not a match-up defense. It's not where you – like Sean Davis is playing – in the slot, yep. in their dime, and then he goes to safety. Excuse me, he plays slot in their nickel and goes to safety in their dime. But right. when he's playing slot in the nickel, it's not as if you say, hey, let's go after Sean David, because they don't play a lot of man. Right. So it's not that kind of defense. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see uh, just how all of this matches up. The Eagles coaching staff, I think, has done a really good job of giving Carson Wentz options in the passing game in terms of having you know maybe you have a, a single high beater on one side and a cover right. two beater on one uh over on and the that's other. where Wentz has been really good at yeah. understanding what the coverage shows on one side versus his route concept and if it takes it away not you know not going to that side one of the things I always talk about which I don't hear other people talk about a lot and I think it's so true for quarterbacks is there is too many quarterbacks who don't eliminate what's not there quickly enough and they end up sitting on what's not there. Yeah. And I think Carson Wentz, up to this point, has shown a nice ability to do that. Well, Greg, we will certainly have a ton of fun watching this game from uh, the NovaCare Complex here uh, They on win Sunday, Sunday man. Huge you, one. you getting those Super Bowl tickets ready or what? Uh, I'm ready. I don't know about you, but I don't even know where the well, game is. I'll be there anyway. It's so. too late. It's uh, in Houston. I've been, I've been awake for now for uh, 48 hours. Right, right, right. 50. But, uh, <laughs> you know, good to have you once again here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll see you this weekend. All right, good. Great stuff from Greg. Again, you could follow him on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support this show. And the other is to go into iTunes, go on Stitcher, give us a rating, and even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Shaler Tillman in Iowa, who said that he learned to be a fan of the Eagles from his dad. And now that they live in different states, this podcast actually helps him stay ahead of the curve with the team and the game of football, and that it helps him spend time with his dad even though he states away. And I'll tell you what, Chandler, that was really nice of you to say. You know, As someone who lost my dad a few years ago, my dad was a huge Eagles fan too, certainly got me down the right track was really moved to get that message from you. So really happy that, that you get kind of that kind of fulfillment from this show. That is awesome. So thanks to Shaler and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Now, let's keep this show going. I told you earlier that I wanted to profile a player that could have a huge impact on this game one way or another on Saturday afternoon. Time to reveal who that is in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so the big reveal. Who, who is this player that I'm talking about that could have a big impact? Well, I'm going to go with the rookie second-round pick out of Maryland, defensive back Sean Davis, who I compared to Eric Rowe 
throughout the entire draft process. You can go back to the Journey of the Draft podcast when we were doing even a year ago, this time last fall, and I was watching Davis, and he reminded me of the Eagles' former second-round pick from uh, from a year ago, and that's Eric Rowe. Uh, 6'1", 201 pounds. He played some corner. He played some safety for the Terrapins, just like Rowe did at Utah. And they had an almost athle- almost identical athletic profile uh, at the Combine. So it was really, really interesting just to see where he would get drafted. He ended up going in the second round as well to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, he was used a little bit differently. You know, Mike Tomlin came out right away and said, you know, we're going to play this kid at safety, but – He's playing in the nickel. He he is their nickel corner for the Steelers. So very interesting player, to say the least. Let's jump into the scouting report, my notes on him coming out of Maryland. Now, like I said, as a corner, he lined up mostly in off coverage, which is what they do most of the time in Pittsburgh. And I said he spent some time at corner and at safety, played mostly man, mostly off, mostly man coverage, and he had some cover two, some cover three mixed in. Played a lot of different things down there at Maryland. They had a couple different defensive coordinators in his final two years there. As a safety, he lined up both one high and two high, as well as in the slot at times. So he does have a little bit of experience inside in the slot. Now, when he did press, he looked surprisingly disciplined at the line, was able to stay with receivers downfield if he was able to disrupt early. I thought he showed good reaction quickness uh, as an off-corner with the ability to read what's in front of him, break on the route or break on the pass, put himself in position to make a number of plays on tape. Athletically, I thought he had the ability to hit pocket and man coverage, surprising quickness and change direction, especially for his size. I I thought that this kid was a top 50 pick, and I think he ended up being pretty close to that. Uh, Plays trail technique well, can get the ball on the football, or get the ball on the ground, always maintains his gap integrity as a run defender. I thought he was a good team run defender overall, both as a corner and as a safety. Good tackler overall for a corner, can fit the run inside, isn't afraid to mix it up in the box, and he had no issues playing with traffic. I loved his competitiveness. So there were a lot of things I really liked about Davis. Now, there were some things that needed to clean up. You know, he had the feet, he had to clean up his feet in his pedal. I thought that he would be a little bit too high, and he looked a little bit stiff getting in and out of breaks at times, uh, which you would expect from a bigger kid. Prone to biting on double moves as a corner. You know, he gave up a lot of big plays last year as a senior. Gave up 10 catches of 20-plus yards in 12 games. Three touchdowns last year in 2015. So a lot of t- different technique issues, some discipline and off coverage. That Those were the main culprits with him and some of the big plays that he gave up down the field. You know, he's got good length. I thought he had the athleticism to be a starting defensive back in the NFL Made you know should have gotten the, the the chance to prove himself at corner and he's playing slot right now so he's getting that opportunity more of a safe although I thought he could be a safety right now corner down the road with development uh, but a really interesting player now like I said they play Davis in the slot he's their nickel corner and the only time he's really played there was occasionally as a safety as a junior so it's definitely been a transition for him the biggest issue I see with him and watching Pittsburgh on on tape for the last two weeks and this is something to watch now. Remember, like we talked with Greg, they are a big cover two, cover three team. They play a ton of zone coverage, and his biggest issue is the discipline in zone coverage. You know, his, where his eyes at, where is his uh, ability to stay in proper alignment with the defenders underneath. And when, if you can close your eyes and you can imagine a cover three defense, right, a basic cover three, you've got three players deep and four players underneath, he's often one of those underneath players in the middle of the field, a seam hook player, you know, lining up like on the hash mark towards the middle of the field. Well, too often I would see Davis on tape the past couple weeks for no reason, either cheating too far inside, you know, near the, the, the post in the middle of the field, or cheating too far out towards the sideline where that curl flat player, that other underneath player, was already playing. So you had two players 
really bunched close together, and you that left a huge void down the seam, you know, down the hash. I saw it against Washington. I saw it last week again against Cincinnati. And the Bengals were actually able to capitalize on that. They hit a couple big plays down the hashes with vertical routes. So they do a lot of disguising, like we talked about with Greg. And with that, you need your defenders to be able to be very assignment sound and get there in a hurry since they're coming from distance. And that's an area where I think he needs to improve. He's missed a lot of tackles downhill as well in the first couple games and in the preseason. So that's something to watch. He's made a couple nice plays on the ball, particularly down in the red zone. But right now, it's kind of feast or famine with this kid. I'll be really anxious to see how he plays on Saturday afternoon across the street, across the street at the link. I, that could be an area where the Eagles could find some plays in this secondary. All right. Well, one player that could be matched up with with uh, you know with Sean Davis is Trey Burton, and I is a guy that I caught up with this past week in two technique. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for two technique. Here now with Eagles tight end Trey Burton. And Trey, I want you to take a snap through finish through a stick route and what that looks like from a fan's perspective. Oh, well, I think uh, first thing you have to do is check out the defense pre-snap. Um, and then based on whatever coverage they're on, you know, you run your route. And then post-snap, you have to, you know, peek and make sure you're correct with what you checked uh, during pre-snap. Uh, zone, you uh, you square out like there's a speed out and a square out on the stick you want to square out it um but you don't want to come like you don't want to turn immediately you want to like kind of throttle out of it like don't run full speed but don't turn immediately so you want to do that and then obviously man you got to beat the guy in speed and get out of there so how much of it is trying to settle in and try and find that soft spot if it is zone i know you're coming out of that break do you want to try and settle are you looking to see if there's a cover two corner you're trying to run into or uh what is it that's going through your mind when you see zone yeah you're you're reading you're going off the mic um so if the mic is squeezing you pretty hard then uh you want to kind of get out a little faster but if the mic is kind of pushed off a little bit then you kind of have to have a general idea that there's going to be a hooked curl defender or a flat defender outside of you so you kind of want to throttle out of it great stuff from trey and thanks to him Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you, and if you get the time, again, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. You can shoot me a question. I'll answer it here on the podcast. I want to hear from everybody out there. Keep all of you happy. Keep making the show better. So wherever you listen, just go, shoot us a comment, and we can make it better each and every week. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast from my producer, BT. I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.